Well, we are so blessed to be together. My name is Stephen. I am the pastor, and I, uh, we love Jesus and love people. It's great to worship together. If you can turn in your Bible with me, please, to Luke chapter 6. We're going to open the Word of God together. Isn't that good? Amen. Hey, yes. listen, we don't have to do this in hiding. Isn't that good? Yes. Honestly, praise God for that. And praise God for faithful people who did do this in hiding, that we can be here today. The Lord is good to us, isn't he? This morning, we're looking at the book of Luke. We've been in Luke for a while as we are sort of walking through the gospel of Luke. When I say gospel, I mean uh, big G gospel, which means the good news of the account of Jesus' life. Little G gospel is the gospel we proclaim. This is a nuance, but it's okay because you always hear that all the time, right? The gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke. Well, what's the difference? Well, big G gospel means the good news of Jesus' life specifically as the accounts are by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels of those four Gospels in the Bible. Little g Gospel is the Gospel that we proclaim that is salvation, the power of God unto salvation for everyone, that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He died on our behalf to take the wrath of God for sin. He rose to life again and defeated sin and death. And if you believe in him, you'll be saved. That's the Gospel. Amen to that? Amen. As we're looking at the Gospel, good news of Jesus, of Jesus' life from Luke, this account was written by Luke, who is an interesting guy. He's a physician. He's actually Paul's disciple. And so Luke is compiling as a very educated person. He's academically sort of um, more developed, if you will, than some of the other disciples have been because you have different levels of people. So, uh, for instance, Peter was by trade a fisherman. And so he starts off as a fisherman. Fisherman education is very difficult. It's very dangerous. It's not booky, though. That makes sense? And so he had education as a fisherman, but he didn't have formal education. And then later, there's evidence that he did get schooled up because his Greek is excellent. He worked really hard and honored God to be a great speaker and a great writer. Uh, Luke is a guy, though, who had the benefit of a lot of education as a physician. And so he's walking around with Paul, and he's learning about all the things that are happening, and he's meeting Peter, and he's meeting James, he's meeting John, he's meeting all the other disciples, and then he's taking their eyewitness accounts and putting them into one uh, eyewitness testimony, if you will, that they have agreed upon to say, this is what we saw that Jesus did. And that's very important because in the, in the Gospels, when we talk about Jesus' life, this is not just stories about Jesus that somebody dreamed up. These are eyewitness accounts who saw, walked with, smelled, touched, they heard the message, they were there. They are eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ and what he said and of the resurrection so that they know uh, exactly what he said. And so this is Luke, the physician, who's compiling these things for us, that we can read them. And in Luke chapter 6, Jesus has started his ministry. He is calling the disciples to himself, to himself. And as he's going, he's doing miracles and cleansing people and healing people and all these kind of things. He's already had run-ins with the Pharisees, who are the religious elite of the day. And Jesus's fame has grown pretty quickly. So Jesus has quite a lot of people following him because they know that when he does things, it's going to be miraculous, which is pretty cool, right? So Jesus uh, has a lot of people that are walking with him. Of those people, he's going to take some time based on what the Father tells him and as he prays about it, to choose a select group of people in whom he's going to put most of his time. 
And these will end up being the 12 disciples. So, excuse me, in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 6, let's start reading together. We're going to read at verse 12. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, as Jesus starts to identify his closest disciples. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 says this. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he, he continued in him. He, that's Jesus, called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. Whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who would become a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place. And with a great crowd of disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, these all came to hear, to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out of him and healed them all. Praise the Lord for his word. Isn't he good? Jesus is good. Now, uh, once upon a time, I was in the military. A lot of my stories are from the military because they're exciting, usually. And once upon a time, about 2006, which is actually a long time ago now, um, I, was, I was tasked with handing out applications to the Baghdad Police Academy. I had 300 applications. And in Baghdad, Iraq, in 2006, to be a police officer was a highly sought-after job. It was dangerous, but it was highly sought after because it was guaranteed government money, which was backed by the US, so they knew they were gonna get paid, which many jobs did not get paid. And they got good equipment. Uh, it was very difficult to become a police officer. And so uh, to get an application to go to the academy, you had to already be really in the top few percent of people that were gonna come to apply. And so in order to hand out these applications, knowing that a lot of people were gonna come, we chose one of the police stations that was on the outskirts of town, outside of Baghdad, in an area called Al-Zahor. And so we chose one of the most rural police stations that was near an Iraqi army base so that we could have some support if we needed it. And that was going to be where publicly we were going to have trials that you could come test to get an application to maybe go to the police academy. And so we had a physical test. You had to run and do push-ups and sit-ups. We had a reading test because you had to be able to read. We had site, you know, medical tests and things because we had to make sure people could actually do the job and that they were okay. There was age requirements, there were all kind of stuff. And so we started the day, we got out really early and I had about 50 soldiers with me. And we're at the police station and it became apparent very quickly that we were not ready to do this test because there were already waiting about 2,000 people when we got to the police station. So we weaved in through there. By the end of the day, there were 3,000 maybe, 3,500 people lined up for 300 slots. That's all we had. And they were a big crowd. And so I had my guys and I had 12 security guys that were with me and that was, that was all of us. And then there were a couple of Iraqi police but they were kinda, they're not the best. So here we are and we're at the police station. And so we start doing the physical tests and immediately we're weeding out people and all of a sudden I notice the policemen, our, our policemen that we work with every day, the Iraqi police, 
come driving in uh, running code. That means their lights are going, sirens are going, you know, it's big emergency. And so I'm intrigued, right? And I walk over, I'm like, what is happening? There's, like, there's some crime taking place here that we've got to address at the police station. What is happening? And they're tearing in through the driveway, and it's this big thing. And what was happening was people in the back of the line were paying off the police officers to make it look like they were arresting them. And they would stuff them in the car, in the police car, and then they would come up to the front of the line, and then everybody would pile out of the car and run and get in the line before you could tell what was going on. And so that was, the, that, was the, that was the ruse to try to get to the front of the line. And so these policemen, you know, they're thinking they're doing great because they made a couple hundred dollars. And everybody is there. And so the police car would come up, and we were arresting everybody. We just arrested the policemen arrested. We arrested everybody at the front of the line. We just arrested them all. And they're terrified. Because what do you do? You've got to control the crowd. So we finish. 3,000 applications are out. There's a lot of angry people waiting to get in. And now it's time to go. And so what do you do? And so I remember getting my guys, and we just started walking. We're like, it's time to go. And we just made everybody leave. It was a um, dangerous and exciting, not a great time overall. The reason I tell you that is this. Jesus comes to preach. The first thing he does is he names 12 inner circle leaders. Now, this word apostle that he uses, in Greek, the word apostolos means a sent out one, someone who is sent. This often refers to a messenger. So a king will have an apostle who's their messenger that's a trusted person who's going to convey what they said to say, who is sent out by the king to do the king's business. This is a known word. It's known to the people. And now he's commissioning, as a king would, 12 from many to say, you are my sent ones. You are my messengers. And he names them. And Luke goes through great pains to show us. You know, there's two groups of brothers in here. So there's James and John who are brothers, the sons of Zebedee. There's also Simon, who, uh, who Jesus calls Peter, and Andrew, his brother. These guys are all fishermen together, and they're from Galilee. These guys are okay businessmen, it seems, but not well known. Especially when you're talking about people who are coming, the Bible says here, from all Judea and Jerusalem, which is the capital city. And because Jesus is famous, people from two other major towns, Tyre and Sidon, are also coming. This would be like if we had a convention in St. Louis, and people from Chicago came, and some people from Nashville came, because it's not that far away, and Memphis also. And then there's no other towns that really matter near us, so there. I'm just joking. I'm joking. That's a joke. But these big cities that people know, people are just coming to find Jesus because he's famous at this point. Not only is he famous, but they know if they can just be around him, something miraculous will happen for them. And so they're bringing the worst of the people to Jesus. If you heard that there is someone who can cure disease, and you had a family member who has been through every doctor, wouldn't you take your family member to that person? That's what's happening here. And they're coming, and not only are they coming, they're pressing in in the crowd to try to touch Jesus because they know if they can touch him, they're going to be blessed. What's fascinating here is the way that Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 
writes this in the account. Because the disciples are named, and we have this funny group, fishermen. There's Matthew in here. He used to be a tax collector. Matthew, as a tax collector, was in Rome's pocket, stealing from the people. Then you got other guys, Bartholomew and Thomas, who is, what's Thomas's most famous thing he's known for? Doubting. What a bummer, huh? You know, he believes. He, he, he believes. Bummer of a reputation. James, the son of Alphaeus. Simon, who's called the Zealot. The Zealots were militant. The Zealots tended to hate Roman rule. And they were expecting that they would cast off Roman rule. These guys were on the fringe of some political stuff, the zealots. And so Simon the zealot and Matthew the tax collector are on absolutely opposite sides of the political spectrum. I mean, as far as you can be, as far as you can be. In fact, they would fight each other. No, no questions. At least the zealot would be down on the tax collector. That would be the idea. Like, this is a militant kind of thing. And I'm saying that because this group of people, and the last one is who? Judas Iscariot. Who became a traitor? Don't you love how Luke just kind of throws that in? Judas, who will betray them, betray Jesus. This is not the group of special forces, perfect, great guys that you want. This is not the group of the best, most educated, apostolos messengers that a king would choose. This is not the group that you would say, 100%, I know these guys will get it done. You know people like that at work, like that you can lean on because you know they're going to get stuff done? I don't know if this is that list, especially because one of them is going to betray everybody. And the reality here is that Jesus goes and he does not pick them willy-nilly. There was no eeny, meeny, miny, mo that happened. Instead, Jesus went, and what did he do in verse 12? He went to the mountain to pray. And he prayed all night. All night. Then he gathered the disciples. And he said, you are my messengers. You are my sent ones. Follow me. Then exhausted... Verse 17, he came down and stood on a level place and a great crowd of disciples and a great multitude from all these places, which are varied. So Tyre and Sidon, the problem with those places, they're outside of Israel's domain. So this means that this is not just good Jews that are coming to hear the rabbi. These are Gentiles that aren't welcome. These are people who have heard that Jesus can help them and so they're coming from everywhere. And this is the group of messed up people, honestly, who are pressing in on Jesus because they need healing. These are not the people who you would expect to be the ones to get things done. And Jesus is exhausted. And for his security to run the event as his project manager, he has 12 unlikely people who he has just named to be the leaders of his movement. And he goes, go for it, guys. Could you imagine trying to, you know, this is awesome when all the people are pressing in on Jesus. That sounds like a great event, doesn't it? Exciting, wonderful, unless you're the security. If you're the security, 
If you're trying to run the event, if you're trying to keep order, this is horrific. Because how do you control this? This is like having 300 slots and you got 3,500 people at the base. What do you do? And there's so many of them and they're needy. These are not people that are looking great. This is people who need healing and they're coming with all of that exposed because they're coming to Jesus to say, see Jesus, I need healing here. Have you ever been around people like that? No. Some of you are nurses and God bless you. God bless you. That is a gift from God to be a nurse. Because when people are in trouble and they're hurting and they're sick, they get weird, don't they? Everybody does. Have you ever seen a man with a cold? Everybody does. Cannot bear it. We need help. We need soup. We need something. Have you ever been to an ER, God forbid, at 1 o'clock in the morning? Wow, it's hard. It's super hard. I'm telling you, if you're a nurse or doctor in this room, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lord and, and honoring God by helping people. It's so amazing. And those are the people. This is the ER where Jesus is. And the people are coming messed up. And here are the apostles, the called out ones, the ones who are elevated, the inner circle, the messengers. And Jesus goes into this meeting exhausted because he was up all night praying for them. What a scene. You know, Luke doesn't include any of the drama. Could you imagine the stories that happen here? I mean, it must have been crazy because these people are desperate. And what happens? It says here in verse 18, they came to be healed of their diseases. Those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. Praise God. And all the crowds sought to touch him, for power came out of him and did what? Healed them all. You know, some of us in this room today really just need a touch from him to get healed. And I'm telling you from the word of God, he healed them all. Every unclean spirit, every disease God cured. Jesus is, he's our source. He's our everything. If you're coming today and you're like, man, I don't know about those Apostolos guys, but me, I got some wounds. I'm telling you, the Lord heals our wounds. He, he restores us. He's our king. And he's good. I'm going to pray for you right now. If you have something, you're being oppressed by something, there's something holding on to you, you've got a wound, you've got whatever it is, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm, I, I have nothing, but if you touch him, he heals everybody. Let's trust him. You ready? Let's pray. Father, for every person here who has a wound, seen or unseen, oozing or not oozing, whatever it is, Lord, your power is so great that by your word, by your touch, by your might, Lord, we stand on you, God, as those sent from you. And so, Lord, we bring every person here to you. Lord, touch their hearts, I pray. Touch our hearts, God, for healing. Lord, let the wounds dry up. Let the scars go over with new skin. Father, let all of the, the unclean spirits that are pressing on people, Lord, any kind of lies that the enemy is saying, whatever it is, Father, we cast all of it out right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we stand on your authority and not our own because you are the risen Lord. You paid the penalty for us. 
that we might stand in you. And so now we pray in Jesus' mighty name, deliverance on all your people, healing on all your people, resources in all your people. Lord, let us serve you in the way that you have made us to be served. Lord, let every muscle respond. Let every cancer cell die. Let everything that might be against us be vanquished at your rule because you are good. And so, Lord, we rest in you, we trust in you, and we have faith in you that where you are, Lord, your power goes out and you heal us. And so, Lord, we know you're here with us. And we trust you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Be healed. Be healed today. Maybe you're here today and you're identifying with the, the apostles. And you're saying, you know what? I, I just want to be called by God. I want to be sent out. I want to go and do things. And I'm going to tell you right now, the example that we have is not what we think. What we think is God's going to call me and it's going to be majestic. And instead, the example we have is ER at one in the morning. And Jesus is there. And also he's expecting you to do stuff. And you're like, Lord, you just called me 20 minutes ago. What do I do? He's like, yes, do it. Go. With a lot of people, a lot of people you don't have answers for. And they're just trying to press in on Jesus. And I'm telling you today, the thing you need to know is the right thing is to bring them to Jesus. Don't be under pressure that you have to have the right message. Be under pressure to give the message that he's given you, which is himself. As a messenger of God, what do you do? You tell them what Jesus has said. And you can start with, here's what he did in my life. And here's a guy like Matthew who can say, I was in a tax booth. I was stealing from the people and Jesus said, follow me. And I went, yes. And something in my heart said, I have to. And here I am. And it's better. And you need to follow him too. Maybe you're like Peter and you say, we fished all night. And then somebody stood on the shore and they said, throw the net on the other side. Actually, they came in the boat with us. We took him out. He preached. I listened to him preach. Throw the net on the other side. We did it. There were so many fish, I realized in an instant, this guy is from God. And I'm learning he is God. That's where he's at right now. Maybe it's Andrew. I'm Simon's brother. Simon had so much faith, I followed too. And now I have faith. Maybe it's the business partners, these other brothers, James and John. John who says, I can tell you one thing. He is my best friend. And when I'm around him, my heart is so full because I'm learning. He's also my master, my Lord, my king. He's everything. If you just know him, he'll fill your heart with so much love, you won't be able to hardly take it. These are, the, these are regular people. And that's their testimony now as they're trying to keep people back and they don't know what to do. And I can see, can't you just see Jesus laughing on a rock? He's like, let him come. It's fine. You oozing, no more oozing. Good. You arm healed. Good. You come on up. Yep. You're unclean spirit out. This is great. Isn't it? Isn't it great guys? And here's Peter like, I guess, I don't know. What are we doing? That, you can feel the panic, can't you? Yeah. You know, sometimes God does his best work when we're panicking. He does his best work when we're panicking. And if you feel like a sent one who doesn't have the training, didn't go to school, 
didn't have the academic stuff. You're not a physician like Luke was. I'm telling you, just trust him. Just trust him, and then what do you do? Bring people to Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. He died, he rose again, he's our king. That's our one message. You know, I, I, it's funny to me because I've been preaching now for 14 years, something like that, I don't know. And um, every week I'm wondering, people are going to finally figure it out. It's exactly the same message every week. It's just Christ and him crucified and raised from the dead. Every week, because guys, that's it. That's him. It's him. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. You don't need to meet people right where they're at. You don't need to try to figure out the special thing inside them that's going to unlock them. You don't need to have just the right argument that suddenly their mind's going to logically go, oh, I do believe. You don't need to do any of that. You just need to give them Christ, him crucified and raised from the dead, and the Lord will do all those things and more. And then what happens, because I know this has happened to you, you start telling somebody about Jesus, and just like in Pakistan, before you're finished, they say, what, what, let me interrupt. what do I do to be saved? Tell me now. And like Khalid, you're like, well, you'll, I'm not even done yet. You'll, we'll get to that. Are you sure? Have you ever had one of those moments where you tell somebody the truth about Jesus, and they're like, yes, tell me more. And you're like, really? Yes, I believe. What else do I need to know? Um, and you're almost startled that it, like, it worked. That's where the apostles are now. They're startled by the great, magnanimous beauty of our King and Savior, who is saving the unlikely and using the unlikely because he's so good. So what do you need to know? You need to know that Jesus Christ did not choose eeny, meeny, miny, mo with you. If he spent all night praying for the disciples, did you know that Jesus said, all that the Father gives me, everyone the Father chooses, I will lose not one lamb. You were chosen by the Father. This was not eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You were crafted for his glory, and you are his. You need to know you have a king who knows your name, and that's good. What does that do to affect our lives? That means that we live in the knowledge of being sent by him with one message, and it's the message of him crucified and raised. That's the gospel. It's the one thing we have. He knows you by name, and he's given you one name to proclaim, and it's Jesus Christ. So what do we do? Don't forsake the unlikely. Don't forsake the unlikely. The moments where you are out of your wits, the moments where you're with people that you're like, this guy is never going to get saved. This guy is a tyrant. Whatever it is. Or the moments that God gives you and somebody opens up just a little bit and you're like, I have a moment here. I've wasted a lot of those. Have you? What do we do? Just proclaim the name of Jesus and tell them you need to know the Savior. Let me bring you to him. What do we do? We proclaim him. We're his messengers. We speak the word of Jesus. Amen? So even right now, we're going to pray again. We prayed for healing before. Now we're going to pray for boldness. Boldness as his people who he knows by name. That those he has already deposited in our lives, 
the unlikely ones that he wants us to affect, that we will be used by him with power to do great things. Amen? So think of somebody. Think of one person in your mind right now and raise it before the Lord. Say, Lord, is this a person that you're drawing to yourself? Could this be somebody? I bet you, if I were a betting person, that if you have somebody in your mind right now, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Let's pray. You ready? Father, we're yours. You know us by name. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so, Lord, we pray right now for these people in our minds, Lord, these unlikely people, just as we were unlikely people. Save them, God, we pray. Use us, Lord. Use us, God. Lord, use us to bring people to you. Lord, not to hold them back, not to try to control the crowd, but instead to funnel them to you, Lord, because you are the source of life. Lord, we pray that same healing that we prayed on ourselves. We pray it, Lord, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our loved ones, Lord, our acquaintances, our workmates. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your healing, your power, your life, your grace would invade their lives. Father, let them be so primed for the gospel, but that by the time we say the name of Jesus, they are falling on their knees looking for you, God. Lord, use us. Use us to speak your word that we can be a blessing to you and your kingdom and your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Know that Christ has called your name. Change your life by speaking only his name. And go out from this place to proclaim the gospel to the unlikely people. And God will use us. Amen? Let's, let's stand and receive this blessing. Father, thank you that you're so good. Lord, we are yours through and through. For every person here, Lord, I pray a blessing on them now. May you know the call of the Father, the rule of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit as he uses you. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God bless you and have a great day. We're dismissed. Thank you, everybody.